Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. As those are able to please stand for our first lesson from Psalm 24. And listen now to the Word of God. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it, for He has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the house of the Lord And who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob." Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory, and this is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. The New Testament reading for this All Saints Day, where we continue to think about the light shining through the saints, through us, as the sun is John 11. I invite you to stand as we hear this Scripture. When Mary came where Jesus was and she saw him, she knelt at his feet and she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could he not have, who have opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, 
he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hand and his feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. If only, if only, if only is a game we play. Mary played it with Jesus. If only you had been here, Jesus, then my brother would not be dead. Maybe you have played it with somebody, maybe with God. If only you had shown up, then this wouldn't have happened. We may play it with our spouses or our friends or our family members or work colleagues. If only you had done this, then that wouldn't have happened. If only you hadn't done this, then we would be in a better place. It goes without saying that if only you had done this or that, then something else would have happened. Jesus had gotten the message that his friend Lazarus was ill, deathly ill, was going to die, as a matter of fact. But when he got that message, as it says in the first part of John chapter 11, he did not immediately come. He waited. So Mary's comments indeed might have been true. If only Jesus had come when he was called, then maybe something would be different. The whole account of raising Lazarus is clearly not business as usual, clearly not the world that we know or we think we know. There is something that Jesus is demonstrating in this relationship, in this world. There is something else for us. Jesus is inviting Mary and Martha, the dead man's sisters and the whole community that was around him and in fact inviting us to find a new way of living. It is not the old game of if only. The new way of living that Jesus offers to us is unbind him. Unbind the powers of bondage and death. That's a pretty tall order, you know, to think that we can unbind things that seem permanent, for which there is no change. Today we have prayed for all of the saints, but particularly we remember those who have died within the past year. In our Presbyterian tradition, all believers in Jesus Christ are saints, so everybody is a saint. You are a saint. doesn't mean that you are always saintly. We won't go into that. But you are a saint because you are a follower. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Anyone who follows Christ is a saint. That includes us, those of us who are gathered here. It includes those who have died, not only in the recent past, but farther back in our history and in the history of the world, and it includes those people who are not yet born but who will follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We're part of a grand, grand community of faith, of a family of faith, 
that was, is, and will be. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is what the Lord shared with us. We are part of this, and we celebrate that. And we do that just as we begin this season of holiday comings and goings. We talk about our traditions for Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, and very often the conversation among family and friends and school at school and, and work is going to be, well, where are you going to go? Who are you going to be with? And all the other things that go with that, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But we'll be focused on that. But we also, beginning with all saints today, we remember sometimes the people who are not there the people who have been there in our past but are not there. Three years ago, my father died. And so this is the third season of these holidays where he has not been present with us. But I remember particularly some of the things that we did. And one of the things that my father loved to do was to carve a jack-o'-lantern, which of course is a Halloween occasion, which happened yesterday. But he loved to carve a jack-o'-lantern. And I remember as a child how we would gather around the kitchen table and we would spread out newspapers and we would have the pumpkin there and my mom or my dad would draw a set of triangle eyes and snaggletooth grins and a whole, a, cut the top off. And after we cut the top off, then we it was my job and my brother's job to kind of reach in there and pull all that gooey, slimy stuff out with the seeds and plop it down on the newspaper. And then my dad, who was a doctor and trained as a surgeon, would make the incisions quite precisely. Some of you know how that feels or looks, what that looks like. And then we would put a candle in it and we would take it out to the front stoop and we would light it it would be dark. It was a wonderful, a wonderful memory for me to have. And when my father had grandchildren, he would come to our house at this time of year on occasion, and we would do that all over again. It was a wonderful, meaningful time. And on one of those occasions when dad came to our house and we were doing this, I had a conversation with him somewhere along the way. Where did this come from? Where, how did this happen? And he told me that when he was a child, that is what he did. His, my grandfather, my, my, my grandfather died when my dad was 11. And he died in the middle of the depression and they were poor. Their business had gone belly up. No matter what, though, come Halloween, there was always a pumpkin and a jack-o'-lantern. And it made me wonder, though my father did not say this, it made me wonder, though, that on those occasions when we gathered around the table with that pumpkin and we made it a jack-o'-lantern, Maybe there were some other people who were there from previous generations that I did not know. I must confess that I have not carved 
any jack-o'-lanterns in recent years. Life get, gets busy, things change, new things happen. But every Halloween, I think about jack-o'-lanterns and the ones I see and the ones that really are carved as opposed to the store-bought ones. And I grieve the loss of that tradition. But I do remember, if only, if only. It is so easy to play the if only game, but Jesus offers us something different. Jesus knew the sting of death. He was not immune from the human emotions that engulf us. When you have a dear friend or a family member die, very often we are swept with grief. And it, it affects different people in different ways. You don't have to weep to experience grief. And in fact, sometimes we don't. But sometimes grief comes upon us, not just at that time, but at other times. And Jesus wept. Jesus cried. And when I think of weeping, I, I think of that word meaning the, the very breath of our body rattles, and we utter something that is almost unintelligible. And all sorts of bodily fluids begin to flow from our nose and our mouth and our eyes. It's not very pretty. It is feeling pain at a very real, real stage. And that's what Jesus did. Scripture says he wept. And the crowd around him says, look, he's, he's weeping. Some mocked him. Some mocked this display and said, ah, you know, if he had been so strong and so powerful, why didn't he show up earlier? But Jesus' tears, his weeping is not a sign of weakness. It is, in fact, a sign of strength. Because you don't weep over something you don't care about. Jesus cared deeply for Lazarus. And Jesus cares deeply for us, for you and for me. Jesus cares deeply for the world, for God so loved the world that God sent His Son into the world. God sent His Son into the world, not so that the world would be condemned, but that the world might be saved. That's how much God loves you and me and the world in which we live. Jesus did something that was radical. Jesus showed and asked the disciples to show a new way of life. He asked them to roll the stone away from the tomb. This was in the days before modern embalming technology and the crowd around him said, we can't do that because the body will have begun to decompose. He stinks. This body stinks. How? How can we do that? And, but they did. But you notice that Jesus didn't do it himself. Jesus asked those who were there to do it. 
And it took them because the stone was not simply a little brick. It was a stone. It was a rock. And it had to be moved. And then after Jesus had called Lazarus out, he said to him, he said to the, he said to the crowd, he said, unbind him. Loosen the things that you wrapped him with. Let him go from death and the preparation for death. Let him have life. What? How do we do that? How do we let someone go who has been caught in death? It is a scandalous request. Back in the summer, Adam Bornerman came and preached here in this pulpit, and he invited you to do a spiritual exercise, which I think is so powerful. He said, take your, hat, your hands and turn them palm up, place them on your lap, and think about the things that you are trying to hold on to, maybe even desperately, whatever they are, and let your hands go and release what those things are that you are struggling to hold on to because it is only when we release what we have in our hands that we are then able to receive what may be placed there. It's a powerful image. Unbind, take what you are struggling to hold on to and unbind it by letting go and allowing other people around you to help you let go of those things. It's a community effort. The community moved the stone and the community unbound Lazarus from that difficult time. Since All Saints Day of last year, a lot has changed within this church. And there could be a temptation to say, if only, Lord, if only, but you know what? God is with us, and God has never abandoned you. God's love remains constant, and I am sure that our Lord has wept. Tears of grief, tears of strength. Jesus says to you and to me and to the world out there, Jesus says, come out into the world Join together with those who are with you and move those stones that are keeping things in. Unbind those people and places that you need to let go of. Let that happen. Let that happen. Several years ago when I was serving another church, I received news that the mother of a member had died the funeral was going to be in another state, and so I, while the family was away, I wrote a note to the uh, church member, and, and I, I sent my sympathy and prayers, and in it I offered uh, a word of hope for her that in this time of the loss of her mother that she would find the grace of Jesus Christ that was needed. When, I, when she got back, she called me and she said, Joel, thank you very much for your note. I appreciate it. However, 
you need to know that we did not lose mother. We know exactly where she is. And then she laughed. And I smiled. We did not lose mother. We know exactly where she is. She is unbound. Unbind the ones, the things that are around you. Thanks be to God. Amen.